I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of The Real Estate Show here on 830WCCO. And, you know, we always accept your calls, your real estate-related questions by phone or by text. And uh, today is no exception. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Now, we've got a little different setup today. Uh, Chris Rooney is on the phone, and uh, he does this from time to time because his suitcase is always packed. And <laughs> how are you doing? It's good to hear from I'm you, doing Chris. great. I'll, I'll tell you what, Danny. I'm, I'm doing the good neighbor tours. Oh, you are? That's what you're doing? Yeah. Oh, good. Probably picking up a couple. Much more exotic places, though. Uh, you're in Colorado. Uh, right now. All right. Well, uh, you're there, and Andy is off today because you both kind of have uh, family stuff to do, don't you? Yeah. Well, his daughter's actually participating in the state volleyball tournament. Ah. They, they had a game here at 9 o'clock. They didn't know when it would happen. So he's uh, he said he's supposed to be there, but uh, he's obviously got a uh, part, Champlain Park, uh, the Rebels, they, voting them on to uh, – Constellation champions there. So okay, well, very good. Well, you can't see them, but you know they're here. Uh, Jeff Zuifel yeah. is with us, uh, the attorney. By the way, we we do have an actual attorney in the studio with us, so uh, you don't have to uh, ask Chris any legal or tax questions. You you can ask your legal questions of Jeff. Jeff, good to see you again. Yeah, good to be here, Denny, and and uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. All right, and Chris, uh, well, who'd you bring? Well, you brought another pal with you, didn't you? Yeah, well, yeah, Greg Cecchettini. He's with uh, Remax Integra now. Remax. A lot of people don't know this, but there's like I'm from Remax Preferred. Andy's Remax Advantage Plus. There's a a bunch of different Remaxes, but Greg and his staff um, are the ones that support us. And he's kind of uh, head of well, he is a head of franchise development. But in that, you know, among other things, a big focus of his is on analyzing all the market data. So we're going to have some fun facts today kind of hit on a bunch of different things. I think things people don't know, um, and uh, it's kind of interesting. And maybe Greg can share with us right now um, how daylight savings time affected the real estate market. Well, that'll be interesting. Sure. Yeah, Thanks, Greg. Chris. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see every uh, twice a year how we've got the daylight savings going forwards and backwards. And we like to analyze what the difference an hour makes in the real estate industry. What happens in a single hour time period and in the United States, 624 homes sell every single hour on a 24-hour basis. And this past year, 347 homes regain positive equity every hour. From the downturn, this is an outstanding position to be in for you folks out there. And the medium value of a home goes up a dollar and thirteen cents every hour. Every hour. Every hour. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, Denny? It though? is. I, mean, I like that. 624 homes sell, you know, just that one hour. And it just kind of really kind of puts things in perspective. You know, when we're, you know, and, and the market is, you know, we always talk about the market at the beginning. Um, the market is an interesting one. You know, we talk about how in the fall um, things start to heat up. It just, this fall, it just took a little longer. And now all of a sudden, I mean, we're getting a lot of real good push here 
um, in the fall. And we always struggle with coming around the holidays, whether or not to keep your house on the market or take it off during that holiday time. And so uh, people are kind of going through that right now. So we could see a little drop in inventory because it usually happens around Thanksgiving or kind of in that first week of December. Okay. What other facts do we have, gentlemen, to bring uh, forward here? Well, I think what's interesting with Jeff Weefel, you know, being here, um, obviously he's an attorney, but he also runs the largest short sale uh, company in the state of Minnesota. And, uh, you know, a lot of things we don't hear about now are the short sale part. Yeah, of it, but we don't. still out there, aren't they, Jeff? You know, Chris, they really are. It's, it's, it's a greatly diminished market, but there still is a... There still is that segment of the market. Um, I've seen, Chris, a lot of people that would come to speak to me thinking that it could be a short sale or it was borderline, and um, I'm sure a lot of them sold their homes, but then some did come back. Some did come back, and it, they did have, you know, go forward with a short sale. What's the characteristics of that, Jeff? I mean, that, that people that are short selling now, how have they gotten into that part? I mean, I know we had it a couple of years ago where people just fought it and fought it and fought it and just couldn't fight it anymore. But what are the, the characteristics of someone that's going through a short sale right now? Well, I think, Chris, they were people that were somewhat borderline in, their, in whether they were going to be uh, above water or underwater with their value. But I think the common theme is is that they were still people that had some financial hardships, so they had a lot. They had items of delayed maintenance on their home, so when they went to sell, I don't think their homes, you know, other homes in the in the in their price range were selling um, at above water, but they were still underwater because of these maintenance issues and such with their homes. Yeah, an interesting. If you think about it. Yeah, I'm sorry. If you think about it, what happens is that. These people that, you know, are like, oh, my gosh, my value's not there. I don't want to kind of, um, you know, keep putting money into it, and I'm losing money. And then all of a sudden, by the time it comes back, they've deferred all that maintenance. And we always, I mean, we talk about the billion-dollar industry, you know, HGTV and do-it-yourself network, because people can't envision. And, I mean, getting your house so someone can envision it um, is the best way to get the most amount of money. But if it needs a lot of work, that's when the investors come in, and the investors want to make money, and so they're going to buy it for a lot less money. I, I, I seen that. I, I saw that time and time again, Chris. The other thing I saw was is is that there still is um, a fair amount of people that just have hardship circumstances, whether they're medical or or job loss, and and uh, even homes that were bought after the recession. But you know, if you just buy your home a year or two ago, you probably are. It's difficult to sell and and cover your closing costs and everything. I've seen that as well. So, yeah, and I think it's interesting too that we're some of the stats that uh, Greg will hit on is that uh, you know typically when you're selling a house and today at this point, eighty nine percent of the people do this, they have to use a realtor. Well, the realtors cost money, and like you said, if you if you sold you know bought it two years ago, you probably don't have enough equity to be able to cost or cover those closing costs, which includes the realtor's fees. Now, some people can go for sale by owner, but just not very successful at that at all. I think you're right there, and I, I, I don't know what, what you think, Chris or Greg, but I, I usually tell people as just a, just a rough rule of thumb, your, your costs of sale, concluding realtor commission, is about 10% of your sale price, just roughly. Yeah, that's probably true. And, and you know, we mentioned earlier that 347 homes gain positive equity in every hour in the state of Minnesota, there's about 84% of folks out there have what we call significant 
equity, meaning they have 20% or greater. And most of them don't realize that today because of the downturn in the market. They continue to think that they are possibly uh, in a negative situation and can't afford a realtor at this point in time. But quite honestly, most of them are in a positive position. Well, and Greg, I was wondering, are there are there areas or, or segments of the market that are stronger than others? Well, obviously, the lower end of the market, the lower-priced homes are moving extremely fast. The upper bracket, in, in talking to Chris just this past week, that those 750,000-plus homes are actually moving now, and which is a strange time of year to be seeing this, but we are seeing a lot of the upper bracket moving as well. The challenge overall in all of our markets, and I work with over 200 offices in both Minnesota and Wisconsin, everybody's got a shortage of inventory. In the Twin Cities, we've got what's called a 2.4-month supply of properties out there available. A balanced market is six months, and so we need inventory. And for those folks that don't think they have positive equity, uh, they might want to talk to a realtor and find out what they do have because it's probably a good time for them to sell. I'll tell you what, guys, let's take a break, as we always do about this time. Uh, Chris Rooney is on the horn here. Jeff and Greg are in studio. Andy's uh, got the day off here. But if you do have a real estate question, 651-989-9226. Line is open. Or send a text, 81807. Let's take this break. Right now, overcast, 34 degrees here on CCO. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show here on 830 WCCO. If you have a real estate question, we welcome yours. Uh, phone line is open at 651-989-9226. Text is 81807 if that's easier for you. If you're just joining us, Chris Rooney is uh, with us uh, on the phone. Uh, Jeff Zwiefel and and Greg uh, Cecchettini are in studio with uh, with us uh, today. How'd you like I did, the way I did that, uh, Chris? Did I add a little? I'm very impressed. I screwed it up for the, all the time I've known Greg, and I've known him a long time. Many years. <laughs> right. Nice job. Well, I know. I know you guys. You know, this is a first. This guy does everything, and this is the first time for him on the radio. Yes, it is, and he's doing a great job, great. I think. No great. reason. Now, you guys wanted to kind of start profiling who these home buyers and sellers are right now, right? Yeah, I think it's interesting, uh, Greg, um, and I think you can hit on those stats, but uh, who, are the, who are the buyers and kind of what their characteristics are? Sure. Yeah, yeah, this past year, National Association of Realtors every year does, and they have for over 35 years, done a, a profile of buyers and sellers, and they just released it earlier here in, in November. And last year, in the past 24 months or, or, or 12 months, 34% of all the buyers out there have been first-time home buyers which is a little dip from 2016. And a lot of folks are under the impression that it requires a 10 to 20% down payment for me to get into a home. And statistically, actually 60% of all the first-time home buyers last year put down on average 6% or less on a property, which is very interesting, very different from what you're anticipating about 20%. The household income of the average buyer last year was a little over 88000 and 84% of all those folks bought in suburban areas. And so most of the folks are still looking in the, the outskirts, the surrounding rings around the city, even though there is a, a, a resurge in urban areas. Uh, 83% of those folks bought a single-family home, the rest buying multifamily condos, etc. And 87%, nearly 87% of all those folks use a real estate agent. And in the rest of them used builders and in some cases went out on their own and bought a FISBO. 
But for the most part, those folks are using real estate agents to, to get their questions answered. I think what's interesting, too, is the age of the typical buyer, and that being 45, <clears throat> highest it's ever been. I mean, 2011 had the same thing, but, I mean, historically, we look back to, like, 1981, you know, the typical buyer was in that 25 to 34 years old, and now it's 45 years old. Yeah, the the interesting part about that, Chris, is that uh, the average tenure of someone staying in a home, historically, we've always said in the industry, most people move every approximately seven years. It actually was closer to five years than it has been seven years. Over the last several years, it's actually been peaking at 10 years. Most folks are staying in their homes for an average of 10 years before considering moving up or down and uh, resizing their properties. So that has also delayed that inventory issue that we talked about earlier. And uh, it, it creates some challenges for those first-time home buyers looking for those entry-level properties when people aren't wanting to move up. Obviously, yeah, ex- absolutely. Um, Ten years staying in your home. I mean, we always used to figure out, you know, when people didn't want to pay closing costs, and maybe take a little higher interest rate. We always said, well, if you're not going to be in there, you know, for seven years, you know, and it was always in that three to five years that people were moving, you know, in the good times. And I think, you know, when we when we got hit, you know, and it started going down from 2006, you know, uh, and went down 2012, being close to the worst, um, you know, people just decided, hey, we're just going to stay longer. And then they started remodeling and, and doing things. And then, you know, because I think what's interesting, if you look at from a seller perspective, that the distance between the home they sold and the new home that they purchased was only 18 miles. And so I think people are trying to stay close by, whereas maybe, hey, we used to maybe go down to Florida, you know. And I think another interesting fact, Greg, that you had was that he's going to leave us. We, we, we lost him on that one. This is, this I, is a cliffhanger. There's a lot of facts that I know. But uh, one that might be interesting to notice is that single family uh, or single female buyers made up 18 percent of the overall buying public out there. And that's up from 11, 12 percent in the early 80s, and it's slowly grown. That's interesting. But single women are buying properties on their own, that, 18 percent of them. That is interesting, Greg. I was thinking of another thing is, is that it was, it has been about 12 years since the recession, real estate recession started. And with an average um, buying age of 45, maybe some of these were pe- people that were delayed and never bought because of all the years. I mean, they was, these were people that were of buying age. Uh, but has have delayed absolutely have delayed. Uh, you know, you hear about those uh, college kids coming back home, or 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 some in some cases, folks that have been in the workforce and had a short sale, lost their home, ended up moving back in with their families and their parents and whatnot for several years, regaining their their financial position to go out again and buy a home. And uh, I think it's been a challenge for those first time home buyers. Um, because they're, they're sitting on a bunch of cash, but they're competing with so many people out there for that one or two properties. Well, what would you consider, Greg, as a first-time homebuyer range? What is that range that... You know, you look at today, that, that first-time homebuyer um, is typically around 34 years old today. And, and quite honestly, it used to be. You got people... Uh, even my daughter is a great example. You know, she's uh, going to be 25 years old. She's back in the house right now, a school teacher, making some money, putting some money away and uh, needs to look for that first-time opportunity. Will it be a single-family home? Probably not. Maybe a condo or townhouse, a little better inventory out there in that, uh, those price ranges and, and opportunities for the younger folks. Um, 
But household formation is starting to increase again. You had a lot of folks that put off getting married, et cetera, because uh, they were still living at home, didn't have the opportunity or resources to move out. And so we're seeing household formation grow again as more people get married, start moving in together, and you're going to see more buyers come out. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, let's take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. In fact, if you want to get involved, have a real estate question, and we will get back to the phones right after the break. 651-989-9226 or send a text, 81807. In the Twin Cities, 34 degrees. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personality. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show here on A3OWCCO. Chris Rooney is on the horn today, uh, but we have uh, Greg uh, Cecchettini in studio along with Jeff Zwiefel. And uh, I tell you what, uh, Chris, before we pick up on another topic, at least another direction or continuance, uh, let's talk to Adam, who's calling in from uh, Roseville. Go ahead, Adam. We're listening. Hi. Um, can you hear me okay? Yes. My question is, can I cancel a purchase agreement and get my earnest money back if after the inspection, uh, while sitting, while searching city permits, I find work was done uh, on a flood restoration on the property, but that was not anywhere in the disclosure form? Okay. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Jeff, on that one from the attorney perspective. Uh, well, so so Adam, what you're saying is is that you had your home inspection period and that expired, but then after that you found this you found this uh, this problem with, with the uh, flood restoration, which was right. not disclosed. There, there, right, there was work done. Uh, the sellers are refusing to elaborate what exact work was done, but checking the city permit record, I can tell that there was uh, flood work, flood restoration done on the property. And, and there was no mention of it to you, and there's no, there was no evidence at the property that this ever occurred. It was how, how did you find out about it? Um, well, I did. Uh, I pulled the permits uh, on the property that was submitted to the city, just to just as a, a check, and I went through it, and there was like new roof remodel that things that they had disclosed, but there was nothing on this flood restoration work that was done. You know, Adam, I certainly think there's something there. Um, because it, it, um, it, it's a, what we would call in the business, it's a material fact or a very important fact to your decision to buy or your decision to how much you're willing to pay for that property. So I think you have something. Um, if they're refusing to, to allow cancellation of the purchase agreement, I would, I would speak to an attorney on that one and really go over all the facts with him or her because I think there is something there uh, that, that you could hang your hat on to cancel this contract. Have you ever had to deal with that yourself, Jeff, legally? You know, I, have, I haven't had a flood restoration one, but this similar problem where you have, it's very common where you have a very important or what they say material fact that's not disclosed and, and that that fact um, was not, not a fact that you can discover easily. You found it, um, and I think that that's, that's something that at this point you could, you could cancel the contract okay. based on that. Very good. Pursue some legal. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, from a seller perspective on that, I mean, I would want out of that contract immediately <laughs> for the plain fact that, I mean, if that ends up closing, I mean, what a way in which to be able to go back after somebody, you know, at this point. And, and I think the seller is in a, would be in a horrible position if that house closed and they didn't disclose, I mean, especially flood restoration. I mean, that's, I mean, 
the disclosure statement, I mean, Jeff, you can answer this, but the disclosure statement is what attorneys and, and judges look for when they're making their decisions. It, did they disclose it or didn't disclose it? You know, I, I 100% agree, Chris. And I, I think if I was even, if I was discussing this with a seller, I, I would say there's really no upside to to forcing this buyer to, to try to buy this property. So, absolutely. All right. Where do we head from here now, Chris? Well, good. You know, well, Jeff Zwiefel, again, with uh, M&K Law, or M&Z Law Firm, um, Mark Vian Zwiefel, uh, you know, has been a longtime guest of ours helping, uh, can answer the, the attorney questions while uh, Andy and I are not able to do that. But I've been hearing a lot of talk lately, Jeff, out in the marketplace about contract for deeds. And uh, can you maybe just hit on, uh, I mean, what's the negatives of that from a buyer and or seller perspective to be able to take a contract for deed? Yeah, yeah sure I can, Chris. Uh, what a contract for deed is, again, for the listeners is, is where you're actually selling the property to a buyer, uh, but then you are act- actually act- acting as the bank or financing it. So you sell it, they have possession, they're paying you payments on this contract. And once they pay the payments in full, then they, you give them the deed. Um, of course, the, the biggest thing I see, Chris, are two. One is, is that um, you have now uh, a relationship between the buyer and the seller where you don't after closing in a regular transaction. So it's a you know, three- to five-year relationship where you're dealing with this, this, this buyer and seller. I have to work together on this property and resolve any issues between them. The other thing is, is that you really need a buyer that has a good exit strategy that they're able to refinance or, or however they're going to pay off the contract. You really need to know it's a solid exit strategy because neither party wants the contract to fail. And that's how they typically fail is not a well thought out exit strategy. And I think from a, a seller perspective, and maybe you can touch on this, is that if there's a mortgage on the property, there's more than likely a due-on-sale clause, which basically means that if you sell the house, you've got to pay off that mortgage. Well, when you're you, on a contract for deed, you are selling that house, you know, and so typically that loan has to be paid off. Have you seen situations like that, Jeff? Well, I think that really limits the market because um, buyers and sellers don't want to take that sort of a risk. Um, I think that that buyers and sellers do take the risk. Um, it, it does set up the lender in a dis- – it's, it's in the lender's discretion. They could, like you said, call the mortgage and require it to be paid in full. So um, historically, I don't think that has been pr- something that lenders do, at least national lenders. But um, uh, it is – it is always has been a risk. And I would certainly look at that carefully before I ever um, entered into a contract for deed in that situation. So get, get legal also, advice. Yeah. And from the buyer perspective, too, I mean, if that seller stops making payments, you might be, you know, paying them and they're not paying the, the mortgage. So you got to cover yourself on that. Um, I think it's important. I think if you do a contract for deed, that 100 percent that you meet with an attorney and find out all of your options, um, because you are there's you know, there's there's obviously risk in that. But a lot of people are doing contract for deeds because maybe that house isn't selling and someone's in a situation that, you know what, I can't really qualify for about a year, maybe two years based on whether it was a short sale, bankruptcy, foreclosure, um, haven't had their job long enough. And it's kind of a, a way in which that, hey, we can buy it now, 
you know, and get it at our price that we want and then just pay you off later. And it helps the seller because they're able to get that house sold. Yeah, I agree, Chris, and it, that it really works well in the right situation. And as long as, like you said, they, both parties really know their rights going into it they, and, and uh, so that they can protect themselves or, or accept the risks that are involved in it. So, absolutely. Yeah, and I think for what the listeners also need to know is, like, typically the terms on a contract for deed, um, tip, you don't have much for closing costs. I mean, it's possible they could do closing costs. You still have title fees, but you don't typically have lender fees. Uh, and the other part is, is is the interest rate is usually higher. You know, there's only a, a certain amount that you can set it to for interest, but typically for a seller to be able to hold the paper, per se, um, they have to uh, 100% try to just get more return on their money. And so there's a usury law. I don't know if you want to get into that, but uh, there's only a certain amount of interest that you can charge, right, Jeff? That's right. And actually the Minnesota State, the Department of Commerce, sets that rate on a monthly basis. So there is a you can you can get that rate from from their website, I believe, or there's a there's a call in line to get the rate, but you definitely want to make sure you know the rate because it's that is they set the rate and that's the the maximum it can be for the month. If so for so for example, if you sign the contract in November like we are now, there is a rate stated for November. That's uh, that's interesting. So you got to definitely check on it. But let's just say that rate goes down in January while the contract's going. It doesn't affect that then. That's correct, Chris. It's just they look at the date of the contract and what is the the effective rate for that month. And then it doesn't matter if it goes up and down after that. Um, it, it, it's set at that. So. Okay. And, and, and I, I also and I, thought maybe oh, – Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say I, I was going to – I want people to know on the short sale part of it and hit on that. Who is eligible to do a short sale? I mean, there's some criteria that, I mean, each bank is different, I know, but there's some criteria that allows them uh, in which to be able to be looked at for a short sale. Well, you know, in general, Chris, it's, it's that you really have to demonstrate that you have a financial hardship that, that, that really doesn't allow you the ability to make the payments. Um, and, I, and I think that could be medical issues. It could be people retiring and, and their income dropping. Um, it, it just could be that they, there, there's some, there's still some toxic mortgages out there. There's still some 10 year interest onlys that, that are, have, have now switched to, um, uh, 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 an amortized mortgage and payments up five to a thousand dollars a month. So there are, there are just situations where the lenders will definitely look at short sales. All right. I tell you what, it's time for us to take a break. We have more show to come. If you want to get involved, we'll get back to the phones too, when we come back. 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. More real estate show here on 830 WCC where it is 34 degrees and overcast. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show here on 830 WCC. We are here with the show every Saturday in the 10 o'clock hour, always welcoming your phone calls and text messages. Uh, Chris Rooney's on the horn. Uh, Chris, before we uh, take a phone call, is there some direction you wanted to move in right now? Well, I think a lot of people are talking about this housing bubble. Andy and I have talked about it, and we hear these all these little rumors out there. And uh, a guy who studies it uh, pretty much every day and is really in tune nationally, Greg is, uh, you know, uh, kind of our, our our boss man at Remax, kind of getting us all this information. Uh, Greg, what are you finding on the housing bubble? Do you think there's one coming, or are we okay? 
we are okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think what's happened is, is you know, if we were to look at a historical normal appreciation rate of about 3% nationally, and you look at what happened with the bubble, how we had a drastic increase in prices, et cetera, and then the, the massive decline. If we look at that time period from 2000 until today, we are actually just slightly below where we would normally be on a historical basis of a 3% appreciation rate. So we're still in a great position today. We are not in a bubble. There are parts of the country, nothing in the in uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, that has that overvalued position. And uh, just earlier this week, CoreLogic, which is a, a big data player in the real estate industry, uh, came out with some uh, some forecasts, and they show that uh, through 2022, so for the next five years, uh, the vast majority of Minnesota is in a normal range, not overvalued. There are a couple spots like East Grand Forks, et cetera, for whatever reason, is in an overvalued position. Um, but for the most part, Twin City metro area, 13, 16 county metro area, they're in a normal position and anticipate that for the next five years. So, no, I do not believe we have a bubble going on here. Yeah, and I never thought so either. And I think what happened to our market that maybe scared a few people in thinking that was that we had some quick appreciation in some of those price brackets. And uh, all of a sudden, people are, uh-oh, here I see it coming again. But the facts are is that, I mean, uh, and home sales are much less um, now than what they were at the time of the, the bubble. And same with, uh, you know, single-family housing starts. I mean, it's, all, it's over half the single-family housing starts aren't happening now that were happening back then. So I think we're going to uh, I think we're going to be fine as well. Let's uh, grab a phone call from our listeners. Mike is calling from Columbia Heights. Mike, go ahead. We're listening. Yeah, the wife and I we're planning on retiring in about 5 years and we're go south in the winter time, but we're looking for a condo most likely in the downtown area. What range would we be looking at? Downtown Minneapolis or St. Paul? Correct. Minneapolis. Okay. Okay, so it's, it's it's funny you should say that because we've sold like urban cabins. A lot of people are making those their, uh, you know, their weekend getaways, and uh, you know, you're. I mean, to get depending on what kind of building you're looking for and what kind of uh, what what the area is, but you're going to be in that you know three to four hundred thousand, um, you know, to get a, a good place. Now there's some that are still you know under two hundred thousand that you can get, and just depends what kind of amenities someone's looking for, but. Uh, it's a lot of fun down there um, and, and checking out all the different projects because there's some old restored buildings and then there's the newer ones and, you know, and, but there's so many other things that are involved in, in when you're looking, um, parking, access, you know, those are big things when it comes to, you know, condos uh, downtown for sure. All right. Thanks, Mark, uh, Mike. Appreciate the call. We've got a few minutes left there, guys, uh, in the show. And in fact, why don't I do this? We got, we received a uh, text just a bit ago. Maybe we can feel that too. Uh, we say are a small garden center looking to expand. Do you recommend uh, any real estate agent that deals in commercial property specific, or should we just use a regular real estate agent? So it Boy, sounds like a commercial I, uh, venture, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it really does. And I think it depends kind of where that is. But I'll tell you what people have been doing is uh, using both. Um, it just depends, I think, what kind of buyer you're going after. 
um, but there's the commercial the commercial aspect of it. I mean, that's something that we can cover. I know, Greg, that we have uh, through Remax, we have a corp or a commercial division as well. Uh, that's correct, and and actually here in the Twin Cities, we've got a number of folks what we, uh, with the high designation of CCIM. They are commercial specialists. They work with business opportunities. I've seen them selling everything from golf courses to mini marts to gas stations. Uh, you name it. So there are experts out there that are specifically geared towards that uh, commercial arena and business opportunities. Very good. All right. Appreciate the texter for sending that along. Where do we go from here, guys? Well, I think uh, it would be good if uh, people got Jeff's uh, information for the fact that uh, if they're kind of finding themselves in a situation where, I mean, I've run into a couple lately that had rental properties um, and they started fixing up their house and doing all the kind of things there. Didn't have a ton of money. Uh... <laughs> he's, he's leaving us on the edge of our seats all the time, and we don't know what, what's going on. I wonder, you remember the old days at, at the, the, uh, the rotary phones, the phone booths, you had to drop in quarters? I wonder if, I wonder if he ran out of quarters there. He, he might have, Debbie. Yeah, but I think I know what his question was. Oh, why don't you go for Chris, it, Jeff? Chris's question was, but uh, yeah, there, uh, there is, um, there's still a, a market out there for short sales. And um, what we do at our office is, is that we'll start with a no-charge consultation just to see, look at your options and comparison and contrast. So you could, you could look at our website of mzlaw.us or call our office at 763-450-1639. Okay. He's, uh, he, he's having phone trouble, so it's, it's, it's up to us to fill the next two minutes. Can we do that? I think we can because I okay. had a question for Greg. And, and um, you know, we're, we're talking about we don't think there's a bubble, and, and I agree with you. We were, uh, but I, some of the characteristics of the bubble that we don't see today, um, I wonder if, what, what you think of that. Why, why do you think the experts don't see a bubble uh, today. Yeah, I think some there's multiple factors that go that, that caused that. One was the the very loose lending practices. Uh, we're not seeing the subprime hundred percent, hundred plus percent mortgages going on today. In most cases, most people have to have a little bit of money to put down on that property. If we look at the statistics uh, today, we are selling thirty percent fewer properties than we were in that bubble time period. That inventory is extremely low. And the new construction still is well below a 50-year average. And we are actually building 53% fewer properties in new construction side of things than we were during the the housing bubble. It was just a massive run-up. And today, a lot of those builders went out of business, and they haven't come back in. And so we still have a challenge. And it's not just in the Twin City Metro. It's throughout the state of Minnesota and Wisconsin. There's markets where they're trying to get builders to come in and develop properties, and nobody's interested right now because I think there's still a little fear factor with some of those builders that uh, took it hit hard in well, that, that downturn. And I think, Greg, there's not there hasn't been speculation on homes like there was in those days where people were buying homes. They didn't really care what their financing was because they thought the price would go up, and uh, they thought they could turn out of move out of that home very quickly and 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 take a profit. So I don't I don't see that happening either today. We're not seeing the massive investors who are coming in buying, you know, 10, 20 properties at a time, et cetera. And uh, you're seeing the small investor coming in. You're seeing a lot of houses being flipped. Uh, and those type of investors typically are looking at the lower end of the market to make some money. 
and which is challenging those first-time home buyers because they're competing with those investors. We're almost out of time. How, how do we get in touch with you personally now? Email. Uh, email? Greg, email, phone, whatever. Email gregc at remax.net, R-E-M-A-X dot net. How about Jeff? You, I, I'm jeff at mzlaw.us. All right. And we're at WCCO.com right here. 34 degrees on 830-WCCO. See you next week. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 